Hello and welcome to Directors and Animation podcast. In this episode, I welcome back Eric Guaglione. In our previous episode, we began to discuss topics from Eric's document, What Makes a Good Director, which he wrote while working at Rovio. However, we simply ran out of time to go through all the topics, so we decided to do a second episode, this one. We will discuss topics on leadership, empowerment, respect and passion. Welcome back. Hi, Augusta. Great to see you again. Great to see you too. So on our previous episode, we started to discuss a few of the topics from your document, what makes a good director. We covered giving feedback and listening to your current clients. So today let's go through the rest, which are leadership, empowerment, respect and passion. Fantastic. Let's do it. Great. So the first topic is leadership. You mentioned that it's really important to address your superior's notes, even if the decision was not to address the notes. Then communicate why, but you must try in earnest first. This is a very interesting point, um, and it's part of the leadership topic. Could you expand a bit more on this? Yes, by all means. I mean, first of all, uh, a lot of people are under the impression that the director makes all the calls, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we have the final say. Yeah. And um, as you very well know, that's not always the case. You know, you have uh, a lot of other people with other interests and in, in, the, in the mix. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they want you to address certain notes that you might not necessarily agree with. It can be um, very challenging at times. And um, sometimes it's good, of course, because you as a director do get very close to content. And you think you have a very clear... Uh, vision for where something is going and somebody can see something that you just can't see because you're too close to it. So, I mean, for that reason alone, um, I think it's always really critical to, to always keep an open mind to, uh, listening, you know, to others and, and really making sure that you are listening well, you know, to what the notes really are. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, as I digress, um, when you get a note from a superior, um, you, you had better well give it some serious consideration. And, and, uh, as I say, like sometimes when, when you feel like the decision ultimately is not to address, to address that direct note, um, it's still really important to take that note on board and, yes. uh, and, and ultimately address it. <laughs> and, and so if, even if it's to say, well, we went down this path and we tried to address that note specifically about what we found is that the issue brought up wasn't really the issue that's the that was the source of the problem mm -hmm. and so therefore the solution that we went with is you know x y or z and um and that's what i mean about uh really kind of justifying your thoughts is to really make sure that you're always uh addressing the original note you know the, the problem is such and such go fix it yeah and you say okay we tried to go fix it and what we found is that wasn't really the problem and you kind of take then you justify like what what path you took now it's always best um if you can actually show that you tried to address the note directly and 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 show as to why you felt that that ultimately wasn't the solution that's not always practical though because you know, in live action, that might um, uh, result in reshooting something at a, at a huge expense. Or in animation, that might mean, you know, re redesigning, re-storyboarding, reanimating everything. And that also is very expensive. So it's not always um, something you have to do 
as a finished concept. Sometimes you can actually just do it through a storyboarding phase or something, something again to at least um, go through the motions and try try to address what the the, the problem was that uh, that arose, mm-hmm. and and show like and uh, you know something that you did in earnest to try to solve the problem. So um, I think I think that's ultimately the key. Really, is to say that. You tried it in earnest, and you found that maybe that wasn't the solution, and that there was another path. And here's the the path that we took. Yeah, and sometimes the note might not be the actual note. Mm-hmm. With certain feedback, you really have to dig deeper and to really see behind the words. I think this is something we might have discussed on the previous episode. Yeah. For example, the note might be make something blue instead of red, and this could be quite a massive change in a project. But you kind of have to figure out, is it really about the color? Or is the feedback perhaps about the rhythm, the design, uh, the shape itself? So as a director, you have to go behind the words and try and figure out what it really means. And if the feedback is not very clear, it's really good to go back and clarify the note and to have the dialogue. That's really, really important. I think that's exactly right. And yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because if you think about typically where you get those notes from, those people aren't necessarily creative people. Um, producers can be very creative. You can have a creative producer as a, as a wonderful partner, but a lot of times the notes come from, you know, all different kinds of, um, angles, whether it's, uh, you know, like if you're commercially working in a company like we did at, at Rovio, mm-hmm. uh, or if it's uh, a studio that you're working with, uh, there can be some studio executive that you never even, you never even find out exactly who made the comment, you know, at some executive level. Um, but it's a business decision on their part that something's not right for them. And so it's, it's interesting, like where the note can come from sometimes has, has also an influence to say, hmm, what is behind this note? Yeah. You know, rather like you're saying, rather than taking something at face value, um, really trying to dig in and understand, you know, what the what the core issue is of the note. And and sometimes the best way to go about it is like if you question something and say, that doesn't sound right to me, then you start poking around some of the other people that have looked at the project, maybe also with fresh eyes and saying, take a look at this. And then, you know, I got this note. Do you think, you know, do you think this or that? Or do you think, what, what do you think is at the core of this? You know, and you can do your own investigation to find out what you think is underlying that particular note. That's true. And let's face it, so, and let's face it sometimes you just get weird notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the studio just comes up with like, well, where in the world did they come with that? Did they not look at the script or did they not, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, more often than not, like sometimes it's more about gut feeling about something or also, you might be working on projects where there'll be a marketing department or a toy department, mm-hmm. and they'll be looking at the same project from a completely different view. Yeah, They'll be thinking about the end product, what might appeal uh, to the consumer, and you can't just say no to them Yeah, um, because it's actually what will make money to make another film. It's true. So you have to be open to all these different opinions with a, with a certain respect. But to also know what's really important for the project and what will make a massive impact on it. But, I mean, it's always a balance, isn't it? Yeah. The directors play this um, balance game all the time. And also, I'm, I'm sure the director's notes sometimes uh, might not make sense. Like someone might read uh, a director's notes and go, what, what is this? <laughs> it makes no sense. I think that's very true. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we talked about that a bit last time as well. Like you as a director, when you give notes to other people or you're giving direction to other people, that you, again, really need to justify your thinking, to explain and justify your thinking. Because when you do, then people go like, oh, okay. And, and you know, that also builds a level of, of trust and respect, doesn't it? You know, when they, when they start to see kind of inside of your head and how your head works and how you're trying to achieve a vision, people can get behind that vision. You know, if you're just barking orders, people are like, well, wh- why is it red? I don't understand why, you know? And that's like, okay, whatever, he wants red. You know, that's that's a lot less effective as a mm, leader. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much what we're saying here as well. So if you get a note from your superior, you know, you might want to get down to the, um, you know, the issue of why, you know, and, and mm-hmm. have them explain themselves or justify their thinking. So uh, and that's that's what it typically results in is some kind of a dialogue, uh, either where you're discussing these points or you're negotiating, you know, we can make a simple change. We can make a big change. You know, how important is this to you? So it's that, it's that sort of thing as well. Yeah. It's common sense, really. In the end of the day, it's just common sense. It's just having an open discussion. Definitely. Common sense is really important because when you stress about something or you, or you worked on it like 20 times and you can't see it anymore, then just going back to a logical pattern always helps. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the team, and the next topic is empowerment, mm-hmm. which is one of the biggest motivations a team could have. Mm-hmm. One of the topics you raise is if you can't make a decision, can you delegate and empower someone else instead? Yeah. And I think that this is one of the key things in directing, and also probably one of the hardest things to do sometimes, because as we all know, directors want to do everything. <laughs> So if you are stuck, don't continue to be stuck and don't continue to just hitting your head against the wall. There are people around you that can help. Absolutely. Um, I am a real advocate of delegation. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think that surprises people sometimes because I think, again, the people that are um, not yet into the director's shoes and they want to be in the director's shoes because they think it's total control. Uh, but the but the reality of it is what you want to do is surround yourself with people that you trust and respect. And what you want to do is you want to you want to give them responsibilities. You know, you want to you want to make leaders out of them as well. Right. And I mean, that's ultimately what you're doing is when you give somebody that responsibility and the accountability that goes along with that, you know, to to achieve something, um, you're making good leaders out of them as well. And and that just um, it just, you know, spawns a, a respectful relationship all around, you know, then yeah. all of a sudden you're just building a team with a lot of respect for one another because everyone has an important role to play. That's very different than than a dictator, you know, running, <laughs> running a bunch of minions and, and barking orders. So I think it's, it's incredibly important to, to, uh, empower others. Um, I think, I think I also mentioned to you, it's in the document that, uh, I mean, there's studies, uh, it's not, this has nothing to do with the film business. This is just, you know, human nature that studies show that the best motivator in a work environment is empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, even more than money. Like when you when you empower somebody, it means A, that you trust them, that they're going to do good work. B, that you're listening to them, you know, and and you want their voice in it as well. You want to collaborate with their voice. 
um, th that's huge, you know? I mean, people, I mean, just think of so many people in various workplaces that just don't feel like they're being listened to at all mm -hmm. or aren't given that responsibility that they think they deserve. So it's about doing that. And of course, with that goes, um, with the responsibility goes that accountability. And that's something that I think as a good director, again, is you need to call people on it and say, hey, I gave you this responsibility and you knew we needed this done by this time and it's not done. Why? You know, and, and make them accountable for it. Um, so it's just, and I don't mean that in a mean way at all. I just mean that in a way that with responsibility goes the accountability. And it's just important. It's important to kind of keep on top of that. Yeah. I mean, they, they go hand in hand. They do. Uh, but mm -hmm. how would you deal with someone who you want to give a chance, you want to empower them, mm -hmm. and you see their potential, but perhaps they don't see it themselves? Uh, maybe the person is shy or they had a terrible experience in the past when they were more proactive, but perhaps they work with someone who didn't appreciate that. Right. How would you get them over their own mental insecurities, uh, their own mental fence? That's a, it's a great question. And, and it, let me step back just a, for a moment to say that a lot of times I've noticed that the people that, that want that trust from you, that want to be empowered, aren't necessarily always the ones that you as a director are looking at your team and saying, I want to give that responsibility and authority to. Um, it's often those people that aren't hungry for it are the ones that are best suited to lead. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, what I try to do is look at those people within the team that are are that are producing exceptional results, and and it's basically spotting talent within your own team and saying, yeah, I think this person would do great with this particular task. And you go to that person and you say, I think you'd do great at this particular task, and this is mm -hmm, why. Mm -hmm. And I want you to own this. Will you? Would you do that for me? And and usually what you're faced with is either, you know, just um, very wide eyes and a little bit of, <laughs> of fear <laughs> or terror that might be it or 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 it's a moment of just total elation because um they're just the quiet one that wasn't uh the one necessarily to be uh raising their hand and and they um realize that they've been been recognized and of course as i say that's that's another form of the empowerment right it's like you're recognizing somebody uh, to be worthy of taking on that responsibility. So um, usually it goes over very well. <laughs> I mean, occasionally I've had, I've had cases where people will say like, oh, I don't think I can do that. You know, and then you have to kind of talk them off the fence and say, look, I think you really can do this. I think, I think you're completely equipped to do this. And this is why, you know, you've done this and you've done that and you've done that. You know, and, and more often than not, it has less to do with the... Um, task itself and it might be more related to the fact that they have not supervised other people and that they don't know how to go about it mm, and that's mm -hmm. where you as you as a director can be a bit of a mentor in a situation to say well you know just take this on board and when you find that you're having difficulty with somebody in your team or something then just come to me and we'll talk about it you know mm -hmm. um, but uh, that can be uh, a bit of a barrier for some people is that they don't feel like they're equipped you know fully equipped to take on that that delegated item Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. And you mentioned the mentoring aspect of it, um, that the empowerment doesn't always have to be a direct action. Mm -hmm. Maybe if someone is not ready to take a leadership position, they can look for mentoring or they could shadow someone mm -hmm. or even um, 
taking and finishing a smaller task that they can do themselves, that always helps and builds confidence. I think most people are scared of failure or even disappointing someone, so they don't even want to try it. Yeah, yeah. But I think if the environment of the studio allows failure, and if a failure isn't the end product, you know, like if someone fails, that's not the end of it. Yeah. If the studio sees it that as a as part of the process and that it does happen, but you know, let's just try it again. Let's try a different approach. Then the environment is much more creative and it will allow things to happen and things will flourish it's absolutely true and as you know like some environments um really almost embrace failure which is which is interesting because it means that you're actually taking risks you know that you're trying you're trying to break molds and um when you do that um you're more likely to encounter failure and but you're also more likely to achieve great successes when something doesn't fail. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, other other environments um, are not conducive to that. They're they're like they're run on the idea that nothing should ever fail. There should be no mistakes. And generally speaking, I don't like to work in those places. <laughs> mm, I like yeah, I like yeah, the yeah. idea that we we should try things and we should always try to make things better. And that along the way, we will make mistakes, you know, and, and uh, so, you know, it is very much based on the environment. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone sets out with the mindset to fail. Right. I hope not. It's not like they say to themselves, all right, I'll take this task in order to <laughs> fail. <laughs> it just happens because of so many different aspects. Yeah. But it shouldn't really be treated as the worst thing that could ever happen to a project. I think creativity especially isn't all about the end goal. It's a process of making things happen. Um, it's Of course, it's very different when you work on your own stuff or you just want to draw and when you are trying to make a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's different situations. But I think failure needs to be part of the process because yeah. that's the only way to learn and to make things better. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's very true. Okay, so let's move on to our next topic, which is respect. Mm-hmm. It's treating everyone kindly and, of course, saying thank you. It seems simple, but it works. It really, really <laughs> works. It's very true. And, and I, think, I think that, um, you know, just at the very minimum, saying a thank you can go a long way. But the way to make that thank you um, authentic is to thank them for something specific, some specific achievement or uh, a job well done. You know, you can point, it's very easy. Like when you see something that's like, wow, you animated something and there is there is like something really special about that performance or that is really funny. I just never would have thought about that. And you can point that out to somebody and say like, that is brilliant. You know, that is great. Thank you so much because now you've made my film better. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you're able to pinpoint a specific reason, it makes it more real. Mm -hmm. Like you actually thought about it rather than it just being a throwaway gesture. It's true, yeah. And um, in the respect and treat everyone kindly section, you briefly mentioned that in your career path, you have encountered some not so nice directors to work with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, never. (laughs) Yeah, that that never happens, ever. (laughs) 
Oh, do I have stories to tell? I think that requires some glasses of wine and so forth. But uh, and and maybe the record button should be off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> but I am curious. Uh, I don't know if there is a way to test this. But do you think that the the end product, the final film, can ever reflect the atmosphere of the production? Do you think that if uh, a team had a, a good time working with a director or had a good time making a film, how much of that goes onto the screen? And can you tell the opposite? Can you tell if the production was under a director who is not a team player? <laughs> uh, does that reflect in the end result? I think I think it does um, reflect on on screen, and um, I can tell. I mean, I won't I won't tell specifics on a podcast, but no, no, I can tell you that <laughs> in working on films where um, the director and the entire production team created an environment that you could tell that the fun that we were having, the enjoyment that we were having of working together, is reflected on the screen. Absolutely, it is absolutely there up on the screen. You look at the results of it. Um, in other cases, you look at and say, like, we struggled and struggled, and then people were fighting over things and so on. You look at the result of that on the screen as well. You know, um, I have heard stories of of um, you know various films that have uh, you know like they, they depict a lot of tension and so forth. That um, that was also reflected on on set. You know, in filming, uh, and sometimes that might be something that is done intentionally. So, if you create if you create an environment uh, that is tense and it's supposed to be tense on screen, then maybe you know maybe that's a good thing. Um, mm. Not a good thing mm. to work with, but a good no. thing for the end result. But I, I would say that you know my approach would be always to you know create an environment where. Um, everyone felt comfortable. Everyone enjoyed working together because what that does is it it evokes a um, atmosphere of of openness and, and collaboration mm-hmm. um, and transparency. You know, it's like I don't I don't mind when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I don't think that character setup is strong enough, or I don't I don't see why this character would have done that. You know, it's like well, that's a gift and when somebody comes and tells you that they feel something is not quite working, you know, and then you can talk it through with them and say, well, what do you think would make it better? You know, Mm -hmm. isn't, isn't that better than having a dictator on set, so to speak, that just is out there barking orders. Um, I think, I think there's a huge difference in what they're going to get in the end. That's true. So I think, I think that that sense of (laughs) that sense of thank you goes a long way, right? That everyone, that everyone's working together. And I think I might've also mentioned to you that, as a director, sometimes you find it almost irritating. It's like you have so many things to take care of and so many people that you have to talk to and you're trying to get a vision across to everyone. And it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, trying trying to explain a vision is a lot harder than, you know, writing script pages and, and, and somebody reading that script page and testing whether that script page reads. You know, so uh, at the end of the day, like if you're working on a feature animated film, you're probably talking to over 400 people and all 400 of those people need to understand your vision and work towards that single goal. So um, it's it can be really challenging. But what I was going to say is that while that's challenging, what can be even more challenging is is that partnership that you have with those people in production 
that are managing the show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it can be almost irritating when you're so deep and so focused in on the creative. And all of a sudden you have a producer, you know, not yelling in Europe, but just reminding you firmly <laughs> that um, we got to go. We got to get this done. Go, 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 go. And we're running out of money. You know, and, and so you, you have to always maintain that relationship so that it's a healthy one and that you understand um, that they understand as producers and what you understand uh, their point of view, like what's important so you pick your battles and that you work together on picking your battles. You know, so it's a it's a really important thing. And to th thank your production team. They work really hard, really, really hard. Yeah, unfortunately, they are sometimes left in the shadows. They are. We talk a mm -hmm. lot about the creative team and we sometimes uh, forget to mention the production team, but yeah. we all know how important they are. And we know that without them, there is no structure. Um, mm -hmm. There is no film. Uh, so having a good relationship with your production team is one of the key things for a director. Because if the production knows uh, what's important for you as a director, they'll make sure you have enough time and resources to consider on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our last topic is passion. It's why we make things, isn't it? It's, Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, we create because we have a passion for storytelling or filmmaking or writing or animation or, or anything else. It it's is. interesting yeah. what you say about showing a passion doesn't mean you have to be a cheerleader. Uh, some people are introverts or perhaps they're not brilliant talking to other people or communicating their ideas, but they can be brilliant directors. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to concentrate on this aspect of uh, being a passionate mm -hmm. director without being <laughs> an extreme extrovert, if you like. <laughs> uh, I think it is. You know, I think I think there's a misunderstanding a lot of times about um, what that means to show passion. And um, I mean, certainly we have all met people that are so excited about something that it's um, it's almost addictive. Like you just you just want to ride along with that that sense of passion, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I think I think that is a true uh, that is a true and genuine passion. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Really, is that it's less about bouncing around and saying like, look how great this is, and it's really more about being authentic and saying this is this is going to be great because this vision for this thing this story this character this whatever it is is just so awesome like won't this be amazing to work on you know and and when you and you really kind of focus that um that sense of what the word is passion you know towards something that you can identify and you can put it you know put in front of people to, that they can all look at it and say wow i want to work on that mm, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. then then all of a sudden that is the kind of passion that really drives large groups of people. And I've seen that done very effectively. Like when I worked at um, Disney feature animation, usually at the beginning of a project, they would have some sort of like studio kickoff, if you will. It's more more typical in, in production environments to have uh, sort of a, a management and lead creative um, project kickoff. Um, but at Disney, they even had like studio-wide you know, project kickoffs where the director would go up and do effectively a 30 minute pitch of their movie. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, you just came out of there like, I'm going to work on this film. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to go, you know, <laughs> you know, because you just saw something that really inspired you. And, yeah, and, yeah. and that vision, that vision um, 
is is the key to it all really is to say like this is what this is going to be and how how great it's going to be and and so that's that's what i'm trying to say it's like it's a lot less about sort of that extroverted enthusiasm more about something that's authentic and genuine about the project itself yeah it's it's channeling the energy into the project rather than just shouting on the stage Sometimes when people say, this person is such a passionate director, all I can think of is, you know, this stereotype of a man with a loudspeaker shouting at the actors, <laughs> do it better. That is not the passion we're talking about here. That's just anger. <laughs> I guess passion and vision are very much connected. And I always find that if the people are giving me their time to work on my project, the least I can do is to show passion for it, that I love it. Exactly. Uh, Why would anyone else want to work on it if I don't love what I do? Yeah. It's really interesting that passion doesn't have to be this loud cheeriness. It's more about infusing everything you do with a a love Mm -hmm. for the project or for creativity or your job. And this will help bring the team together. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's precisely what it is. And I think we could talk about two other facets of this though one one is that um in times you actually do need to play the cheerleader and and that might surprise you when i say that but let's paint a scenario that i'm sure we've all encountered you're passionate about a project you're deep into it all of a sudden you find out something's not working you know and all of a sudden you have to reduce something and um and the team morale is down, you know, because like, oh, we did this. Oh, this is so painful. We have to do this again. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so it's at that moment that you actually do need to be the cheerleader, you know, and say like, we can make it through. This will be better. You know, this is this is why this is why we're going through this painful moment is because this ultimately will be better. It's worth doing. Right. Yes. So I think I think there is a moment in time where you do need to be a little bit of a cheerleader and say, come on, guys, we can do it. We can do it. And then, of course, the third scenario is my least favorite scenario is where you start to lose faith in something as well (laughs) as a leader that you can be on a project and all of a sudden, like things are just not going well with the project and you're having a hard time motivating yourself, let alone other people. And um, that's just a very difficult thing to do, because then if you if you go in front of a group of people and you try to act passionate, then everyone will see through the act and they'll see that you're just genuine. So at that point, I would rather, I would almost rather take the position of just being honest with people and saying, you know, this isn't going as expected and this is what we're going to need to do to get this done, you know, and just be clear about it. That's a very good point because it does happen, even if it's not the whole project, but it could be a shot that you had to redo several times and it's still not working and you start to lose your faith. It does happen very often. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting what you were saying about trying to stay optimistic no matter what. Yeah. Um, I guess honesty is better rather than just keep going. Yeah. Um, I think if you build a team that respects one another and respects you as a director, they will really respond well to honesty. I think so too. I think I think you're right. And and people do appreciate honesty. Because as I say, if if they see somebody up there just giving them lip service and everyone goes, Yeah, yeah, he's saying that. But you know, it honestly it just sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're going, No, 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 it's great. It's everything's gonna be fine. And people just will start to lose lose trust in you, right? Yeah. So um I'm I'm you know Obviously, one needs to engage a bit of a filter and making sure that 
you're not just um, depressing people, but at the same time, you're um, you're looking at a way to just convey that uh, in a genuine sense that things didn't go as planned, but we have to carry on and this is how we're going to do it. Yes, especially if the director explains the reason why something didn't go well uh, and on up to the issue and say, look, I made a mistake. Yeah. And that's really, really hard to say in front of the team to say, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this was my mistake. But I think if you are able to to do that, but most importantly, also have a plan of how to fix that mistake, uh, not just go there and announce to everyone, this is it. <laughs> yeah. We'll never be able to recover from it again. <laughs> but to actually pause for a second, reflect yeah. and present a plan for how to fix the situation and how to uh, go forward. I think everyone will be... Uh, uh, supporting you and will do their best to make it happen. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, ideally, that's always always the case is that you you try, you make a mistake, you fail, you pick up the pieces, say what causes to fail, and you come up with a new plan and you go forward again, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I guess the the I was painting the most dire situation where it's really like everyone's just kind of lost it a little bit and you're, and you're really trying to go forward. So, I mean, that is extremely rare when it gets to that dire of a situation, but I have, I have seen it happen before and um, it's not pretty, you know, when that occurs, I wasn't the director in that case. So I was watching, I was watching how other people were managing, you know, that situation. It was pretty, pretty interesting. It's always weird, isn't it? When the crew knows something is up, mm-hmm. but everyone is just keeps saying, everything's fine. You're like, no, it's not. We can see the paint crumbling and the ship is going down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It doesn't happen often, which is great for us because films are being made every day. But when it does happen, if you're the leader of the project, how you react to the situation is just so crucial. Yeah. Um, I noticed that many making of videos paint the film production as this never ending fun and super creative experience where everything went super smooth and everything was great. And of course, that does happen on most of the days. But there are also days when you start to doubt yourself and your decisions and you get angry and frustrated and you just want to throw everything and to just run away and never to be seen again. (laughs) But then you go for a little walk or you have a chat and you have a nice cup of tea or coffee and you're like, Mm -hmm. you know what? At the end of the day, we're making films. Yeah, it's not about saving lives. It's just about making the best that we can. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm glad actually that we're we're talking about this openly and, and I hope this actually makes it into the podcast because I think um, I'm sure that you see it all the time as well, that when you read articles about, you know, a film that was made or an animated film or whatever, it just always feels like everything went so well and they did Mm -hmm. this and they did Mm -hmm. that. And look at this amazing and isn't that great. But we all know that every film has a path where you bump into things that you didn't expect and, and that it's actually more about being problem solvers and it's about how you go about you know solving those problems that's that's the interesting story you know but unfortunately um a big studio like um well any big studio doesn't want to put it out there and say oh we had a bumpy ride and look at our great film because (laughs) they want a great box (laughs) office return so it's it's natural that they don't want to focus on those sorts of things but we in the industry, of course, want to learn from each other, and and we learn we learn through each other's mistakes as well. So it's really great to compare notes and say, like, wow, we we encountered this horrible situation. And, you know, how did you get through it? You know that sort of thing. 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a place and time for these discussions. The making ofs on a DVD are for a general audience who wants to have an overview of a film or a studio. They don't necessarily need to hear about the pain and tears yeah. because you want to keep the magic alive. It is entertainment. It is making movies. It's all very exciting. <laughs> but I'm also really happy to have this conversation with you today to discuss what happens when you do stumble upon a day. I think it's really important to talk about that as well. No, it's very true. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, this is it. Oh. We've covered every single topic from your document. Amazing. It's all out there for our listeners to take it or leave it. <laughs> it's completely up to them. But I do hope they find it useful. I know it really helped me a lot when I first started to direct at Rovio. So a big thank you. You're very welcome. I had no idea that something written so hastily years ago would have been so helpful to you. I'm really glad. It's actually uh, very rewarding to see that. And and hopefully that um, your listeners also will, will gain some insight, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. about what um, leadership really means, you know. And, and so, um, well, I wish everyone well with this information. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you for your time and your wisdom and experience. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to do this with you. So let's do it again. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. Thanks. Bye. Bye.